Amen. Amen. Thank you, Will. Band, awesome job. I am thankful for you guys. Uh, so, man, so, so thankful for our North Band and all that they do, all the hours and time that they put in uh, to making our worship as dynamic as it possibly can be for our uh, in-person listeners, but also online as well. And so with that said, uh, I do want to let you know, if you came in today, if this is your first time visiting with us, man, we are so glad to have you. Welcome to Lindsay Lane North. want to let you know, as I do each and every week, that we've got a connect card for you. Whether you're in person or you're at home uh, listening through live stream, we have a connect card for you. It's in that bulletin. If you came in today, hopefully you received that bulletin. If you will, uh, fill that out. Uh, if you make a decision today, you can let us know that as well, and let, we would love for you to do that. Also, if you're visiting with us on live stream, if you will text the phrase North Connect to 31996, you can also uh, be ac- can access our digital Connect card that has the same information on that. Well, we have made it to our condensed, was going to be seven weeks, then became six week because of COVID uh, series on Sign Me Up. You guys have made it. And so we are really excited about where God is taking us in the next series. So if you came in today in person, you saw hopefully our next poster uh, that we will be updating every single quarter. We are doing a series together with the other campuses of Lindsay Lane, and we are doing an Advent series called Living in Between. So we will be talking about Advent and what all that means and the season of hope that we're about to be in. And so we are excited about that. want to let you know, make sure you don't want to miss that over the next four weeks after this Sunday. But we believe that God has a word for you today as well, leading into this Thanksgiving Season, You know, I, when I think about Thanksgiving, obviously, you know, for a, a larger male like myself, uh, think about the food. By the way, I'm, I'm thinking about changing my dietary plans uh, sometime around Thursday, uh, just for the, the, the next few weeks. By the way, somebody asked me, and I appreciate y'all's concern. Somebody has asked me, like, like, they're expressing serious concern over me. Like, I'm doing this on purpose. I'm trying to lose some weight. Uh, and so, so if, if you're at home thinking, my gosh, he's getting unhealthier and unhealthier. Like, I'm doing it on purpose, I promise. And, uh, but I, I am excited about Thanksgiving. But as I think about Thanksgiving, you know, those, those two words, that one word that's made out of, of two, right, are, are forever combined in our minds. Thanks and giving, right? That immediately, we, when we think about This time of the year, we think about Thanksgiving. And so because of that, the two terms are really, they're they're always connected. And and as I started thinking about that, man, for us as the body of Christ, that's exactly how it should be. Because thankfulness is a lot of times is shown by our giving. If we are thankful for what God has blessed us as a family with for this year, right? We give thanks. We give to him the credit for what he has blessed us with. But when we are thankful, we are giving. And so I see no better no 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 better fitting conclusion for our series for it to fall in thanksgiving because God has called us to be thankful. And if we are thankful for what God has done, if you are thankful for your church, if you are thankful for who you are as a child of God, if you are thankful for your new life in Christ, if you are thankful for a risen, uh, a risen Savior, if you are thankful for a hollow tomb, if you are thankful for your eternity, well, it's really easy to see how we express it. We give. The most thankful people in the world that I know are the most giving people. And so as we talk about spiritual gifts, if we, as we conclude this, I think it's important. This last week of Sign Me Up, what it looks like. We've talked about the how and we've talked about the why of gifting, right? Every single 
writer that dealt with gifting dealt with it in the same cadence, in the same manner. Talked about unity on one side, unity on the other side, and then in between gives us the spiritual gift. If this is true, we talked about the theology last week. Today, we're going to talk about the types of gifts. It is in the nature of gifts to be given. And God has given us gifts to which I would say that we have a responsibility before God to, if we are thankful, to give them back, to employ them, to get them to work toward kingdom glory. And so we talked about principles for four weeks, so we're talking about the more practical side of it for these last two weeks But there's this same cadence that's found in Romans chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12 with us or turn on your Bibles or however it is that you get God's Word to Romans chapter 12, verse 4. And I just want to pray as we begin. Father, thank you for your Word. That God, if there is a lack of clarity today, it's not going to come from your end. It's going to come from mine. And so because of that, your word is clear. But I pray that you would hide me behind the cross so that I may faithfully communicate, God, what you have for your people today. May you be glorified. And when you're glorified, may all men be drawn to you. In your name we pray. Amen. The goal, as we talk about the types of the, types of the gifts... The goal of the body of Christ is unity, not uniformity. The goal of the body of Christ is unity, not uniformity. Well, what's the difference? Uniformity is what you expect when you walk into a fast food restaurant. All right? That is what you expect. The reason why Chick-fil-A has the business model that it does, by the way, there's no endorsement, there's no sponsorship of Chick-fil-A, but the reason why they have the business that they have is because when you go to a Chick-fil-A, you can expect a couple things across the board. Number one, you can guarantee that it will be a pleasure for them to serve you. They'll tell you so, right? You can guarantee that even if it is a mile and a half worth of a line, you'll be through that thing in 10 minutes or less. You can guarantee. It's amazing. it's, It's the most incredible thing I've ever seen. I believe there are miracles. The reason why we'll talk about some miracles, the reason why I believe some miracles still happen today is because Chick-fil-A is still around, right? I mean, they are performing miracles, right? And then you will get you a sandwich that is knock-down, drag-out awesome, right? It's good. And it's going to taste the same whether you eat it in Athens or you eat it in Madison. There is uniformity. We expect that from our fast food restaurants. Do you know what it's not expected from? It's not expected from the body of Christ. It is important for us as the body of Christ to understand the difference between uniformity and unity. Otherwise, we'll look at other people in the body of Christ, we'll look at other people with their other gifts, and we'll either say, man, they are nowhere near as good as I am, or they'll say, man, I wish I could be like him. I wish I could be like her. See, the goal is not uniformity, it's unity. And listen to what I, ha- I have here. Uniformity is what you expect of a fast food, but unity is the hallmark of the church. Ideas such as humility, love, and God's glory bring us together. That's what we talked about last week. But each individual is necessarily different. Necessarily different. So Romans chapter 12, verse 4. Read it with me. For as in one body we have many members, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one, one of another. What is he saying there? Paul is using an object lesson to the Romans, showing him just as you have one body, Just as you are one person, you are made up of a ton of different members. But all of them are connected and all of them are working toward unified purposes. So are we as the body of Christ. But we are to grow as one body. Just because we are different does not mean that that should be divisive. It means that it should be 
a harmony. It, when you skillfully, here's music that is skillfully sung with many different harmonies and many, uh, all the, the different things going on in it. They're all doing different things. A guitar player's doing something different than the drums, who's doing something different than the vocalist, right? But just because they're different doesn't mean they're divided, but there's harmony there. And this is the idea that we have as the body of Christ. But in order for that to happen, this must be true. Warren Wiersbe said, spiritual gifts are tools to build with, not toys to play with or weapons to fight with. As we talked about last week, it has to be used toward the greater good. It has to be used toward the body of Christ. Listen to what it says in Romans twelve six: Having then gifts differing according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Having gifts that are different, according to the grace given to us, let us use them. I've been in full-time ministry now uh, about 11 years. And when I first came on, my, my family has only known Lindsay Lane as our church home. Uh, we came there when we, we were engaged when I came on staff at Lindsay Lane, which I still think is crazy. I was 21. My wife was 19 she was three months older than our oldest youth at the time, which that youth was, you know, thought that was awesome. Um, and absolutely not. She thought it was terrible. Um, and we weren't even, we weren't even married. We were, we were engaged, and three or four months later, we, we got married. And so my family has only known Lindsay Lane. And I can remember when we had first came in to Lindsay Lane trying to meet everybody. You're in a big church. It's, 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 it's a task trying to be in ministry because people expect you to know their names. Uh, and I'm not great at names, but who is? Have you ever met somebody like, I tell you what, I am good at names. Like, you know, it, that's, that's the, the grace we give each other. Like, oh, I remember your face. I'm good with faces, but not with names. That's just something everybody says, okay? So, I mean, if anybody's ever told you that, and if you ever said that, just know that you're being nice, all right? But nobody's good with names, all right? It's harder to memorize, all right? It's harder to, to, to come up with. Uh, and if you are good at names... Come to me, I have a position for you, all right? Uh, but I remember trying to meet people, and I am a shotgun blast type guy. And if you don't know that about me, then you don't know a whole lot. Because I, I am a shotgun, I am designed for the crowd. I am designed to work the crowd. I am designed to talk to people. Hey, how's you doing? How's your mom and them? Right, you know, like I, I'm designed for those 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 short conversations and I'm talking to somebody and I'm thinking about going to this other person. Oh, I need to stop by this person. I am a shotgun blast guy that I'll get to know you. And, but more importantly, you'll get to know me and you'll know who I am. And that's, that's important to me. My wife is not that way. My wife in ministry, when we, I'd never seen her in a ministry context. And so coming to Lindsay Lane, this was our first opportunity to for her to minister for me to see her in ministry and y'all she wasn't nothing like me she was blowing it she was completely blowing it she wouldn't she was she was struggling to meet everybody there she was struggling to keep up the energy that i had she was struggling to uh to 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 make all these touches and and she was just she was she was a wreck so i thought she was doing nothing like i was but over the course of time, I have seen one of the most incredible strengths in my wife. You know what that strength is? That she is the opposite of me. Can I just tell you, I don't want to be married to me. I got no desire to be married to me. But my wife is different than me in every way, and praise, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Ministry as well, right? She ministers differently. My wife is more of a rifle type person. She don't want to work the crowd. She don't want to meet a whole lot of people at one time. She wants to get you one-on-one. -on -one. She wants to talk to you. She wants to know all about you know, your name. She wants to know uh, your kid's name. She wants to know uh, your date of birth. She wants to know your mother's maiden name, your social security number, major checking accounts. She wants. Listen, when my wife meets you, she knows everything about you. You know what I found out really quickly? About two months in, as I was still struggling to remember everybody's name, who was helping me with the names? She was. Why? Because we're different. And as God has given me grace and as God has given her grace, the worst thing I could ever do was coach her on how to be me. Because she's not. 
but we use the gifts that God has given us. And in doing that, we're not uniform, but we're united. My wife and I are united, but we're not uniform. Listen to what it says in verse 6. If prophecy, as these gifts, these are the what's. These are the, this is the listing that we have here. Ephesians chapter 4 will be there in just a moment as well to, to touch on some of these. If prophecy, then we should prophesy in proportion to our faith. If service... In our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. These are the what's. I don't know about you, but I've just described a lot of strengths that it is impossible for all of us to be able to maintain a standard of excellence in. Now, some of those things, you might that's me. That sounds a lot like me. And some of those things are like, man, this could not be further for me, right? Again, not uniform, but here's the listing. These are the what's. This is, these are the, the different areas that God has called us in spiritual gifting. By the way, the part of the theology of this, if you missed last week, if you are a child of God, God has given you a gift. At least one. He has given you a unique strength. To be used for his glory. Listen to what it says in Ephesians 4, verse 11. Ephesians 4, verse 11, you can follow along on the screen. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body. Of Christ. If you want some more lists, you can go to 1 Corinthians 12. But by and large, they, they borrow from the same grouping. Now, again, this is not an exhaustive list, I don't believe. I believe there are other giftings out there, right? I don't believe this was meant to be an exhaustive list. I think that's why so many different writers and so many different times Paul wrote into the list changed so much. I, I believe there, it's limitless in scope. But these are special giftings that we have to be used for the kingdom of God, to be used for fellow believers. And so we're going to go through these. In your notes, as you follow along with us, I hope that you're doing that, we're going to follow along on some of these gifts. As we talked about last week, 1 Peter 4.11 tells us that there's two basic categories, right? Two basic categories as it relates to team gifts is what we're going to call it. Uh, If you take... The online assessment, and I remember that I did not tell y'all to do it. Now, if you're following us on Facebook, you saw it posted by Will, because he's awesome like that, and he's more gifted at doing stuff like that than I am, like remembering to say things in service. Uh, but uh, if you will, if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, you have a relationship with the Lord, and you don't know what your spiritual gift is, would you go to lindsaylanenorth.org? I am literally asking you right now, if you want to, to grab your phone, and you can go there, and I can show you exactly where to go. Go to lindsaylanenorth.org. Under the tabs that you see there, it's a little, little what is that called? A chiclet? A menu? Whatever. No, what's the, little, what's the little thing that pops up on your iPhone? What's that called? The little box? No, a chiclet's something, I think, a, a gum, huh? No, it's, it's not. Anyway, whatever. The button on your phone, all right? There's going to be a little button on your phone. You pick, click that at the top left-hand corner. It'll drop down a menu. You can... I still think it is. I don't know, y'all. I don't know. We'll, fi- we'll figure it out. Uh, <laughs> okay. Not, okay, maybe it's not a chiclet. All right. So you go to this, you, you select the, uh, the spiritual gifts under resources, select spiritual gifts survey or spiritual gifts test, however it's worded there, and then go in, put in some of your information, and here's why we need your information. It will let you know what you're strong in, and it'll let us know as well. I get part of your results. We've already gotten about 20, 25. I mentioned in last in the first service last week, so I'm mentioning it now. Would love for you sometime this week to do that because it is, it's important. It's important to understand where you and you are uniquely gifted to serve in the body of Christ, right? And so do that. It'll send me, uh, I'm not going to, you know, hunt you down and, you know, ask all the ways that you're being employed in this, but there we've gotten probably 20, 25 different spiritual gifts. And so we want to know as a church leader, so we can help you to continue to grow in these areas, right? And so, but here's the list that we're given. And, and by and large, according to first Peter four, there's speaking gifts, those who speak, speak with the oracles of God. There's out front leadership 
esque things, things that require some some uh, require some energy, things that require being out front at times. But then there's serving gifts as well. But let's look at these speaking gifts first. He says in in 1 Peter 4, is one who speaks, speaks the oracles of God. And so the first one that we find there is one that is employed to increase the body. This is evangelism. This is the work of the evangelist. In my own gifting survey that I took, evangelism was number two in my list. Now, I'll tell you, I'm a weirdo. (laughs) gathered that already with my chiclets and whatnot. Me and my chiclets are weirdos. And we, in my my gifting, uh, I think of the 20 or 25 that we've gotten back, one of them has had evangelism in their top three. Okay, And so it's not one that a lot of people have. It requires a certain level of being outspoken and, and not minding the crowds and being in front of people and kind of looking silly at times. But it's something that I am very passionate about. God's placed it on my heart. I'm very passionate about. But it's something I'm more gifted than the average person in doing. And so this is a spiritual gift for me. But as I go through these, I want you to understand something and understand it clearly. Though the spiritual gifting test will tell you where you are strongest, it does not tell you that you should completely forget about your weaknesses. In fact, I would argue that every one of these are things that God would call you to grow in every single day. That God, just because I may not be, my highest gift may not be giving, That's more my wife. But just because my highest gift is not giving doesn't mean that God hasn't called me to tithe. It doesn't mean that God hasn't called me to be obedient with my offerings as I see a need developed to give, to give of my time, to give of my resources. Just because I'm not an encourager doesn't mean that God's called me to just make sure that everybody's doing what they're supposed to do and only let people know when they do something bad. Right? That's, that's not what God's called me to do. I'm called to encourage as well. But these are the areas where we are most proficient and effective and efficient at. Because evangelism is one of these. Evangelism is one of these things that y'all, your, your flesh will tell you because you're not gifted in it, you don't have to do it. And you may not say that. You may not say that out loud, but you live your life that way. Y'all, I'm not outgoing. I'm not outgoing, and I'm not. I don't. I don't have a lot uh, of of charisma. I, I don't like meeting new people. So, I'm obviously not called to evangelism. Baloney. Because here's what people do: they'll go, "Well, evangelism is not in my top three, so I need to go find somebody whose evangelism is in their top three. And let me just tell you: if only the evangelists did the work of evangelism, the church would never grow. Because there are not enough of us. Right, but so it doesn't mean you're you're not having the gift of evangelism. It doesn't mean to go find me and hope that I can lead one of your friends to Jesus. God still called you on mission, right? And so this gifting doesn't—it's just a metric, but it doesn't—it doesn't negate our mission. But each of these are necessary emphases for every believer. Can you imagine a church where everyone was not on board with encouraging one another? Some of you have. Some of you can. Some of you may have attended those. Can you imagine a church where families didn't see a need to teach because they're not teachers, their own children? I've seen it. Or where a fraction of the people gave. I tell you, if God hasn't called you to give... Money's just a resource, right? That can be used and put to work. It can also be put to work for bad, for evil, right? But all of these things are things that people have called, God has called us to. So evangelism is, is one of mine. It's my number two. Prophecy is actually my number four, so it's not in my top three. Um, but this is challenging the body. Challenging the body. Uh, to declare the word of the Lord is to be a prophet. Now, in the Old Testament, we get the misunderstanding a lot of times that the Old Testament prophets only told what was coming in the future. 
That's all they were talking about. They were talking about what's happening in the future, and that's why it's really hard to understand, and what in the world is Daniel talking about, and, you know, all, all of these sorts of things. Ezekiel, all of them, right? John, whatever vision he got from the Lord, nobody can understand in Revelation, right? Like, but that's not all that the prophets talked about. The prophets didn't only talk about what was in the future. The prophets talked about whatever God told them to talk about. They communicated the message of God. This is not foretelling, but forth-telling. The role of the prophet was to communicate God's word to God's people. This is what it says in Hebrews 1. In the past, God spoke to the fathers through the prophets. They were the communicators of God. They were the voice of God. They were the words of God in a time where they didn't maybe have access like we have to God's word or the whole of scripture was not communicated. It was being formulated. It was being compiled, right? And so in that, because of that, they needed prophets. And so God's communicators of his words. But you see, they're different than number three. Number three is teaching. These are those that educate the body. The prophet's job is to boldly proclaim God's word, whether that there is positive or negative consequences to that, whatever the circumstance may be, whether it's a positive or whether it is a popular message or not, they proclaim boldly God's word. The teacher brings us to understanding. Now, this message in and of itself is more of a teaching-oriented message. And can I tell you, it's not high on my spiritual gifting. In fact, it's one of my lowest, teaching. Why? Because I'm, I, I'm proclaiming the word of God. I'm moving people to action. The teacher leads you to understand. Understand the truth of God's word. A, a teacher is very annoyed when someone would take uh, Scripture as my old professor would say, kicking and screaming out of context, right? And they would misapply it to their life. And they would, they would use a statement that God made that was intended for one time and for one purpose. And they would apply it to all times and all purposes. Well, not all of Scripture is meant to be read that way. In fact, very precious little is. And so, and so they, would, they would be one that would effectively divide the Word of God. In fact, it's a lot of teachers that I read every time I get together a message. I'm reading teachers, I'm reading commentaries and I'm reading word studies of, of, of people that have gone before that have done hours and hours of research and time. And a teacher may not even necessarily want to be in front of people, but they want people to know God's word. They are teachers in the kingdom of God. Finally, there are those that encourage the body. These are those that have the gift of exhortation. Exhortation or encouragers, those that come alongside. Now, here's, here's what I'll tell you about that. Is for me, as a, a person who is not an encourager, no news is good news from Alan Ostrisky, typically. My wife is laughing because she knows this, right? It doesn't excuse this, by the way, but this is how I typically operate. If you're doing well, you won't hear from me. But if something needs correcting... You'll hear from me, and usually I do what, Will? I say, we need to change this. What Actually, I mean, Will, you need to change this, right? Like, we're together in this, buddy, but it's going to require your work, not mine. Um, you know, if, if there's something that needs to be addressed, typically for an encourager, uh, if someone that doesn't have the gift of encouragement, they never encourage, and so the only time somebody hears about something is when something's gone wrong. Can I tell you, this is a massive problem in the church. There are people that truly believe that it's okay for them to completely neglect encouragement of the body, to encouragement of leaders, encouragement of deacons, encouragement of staff, encouragement of each other, encouragement of preschool workers, encouragement of whoever, because they're not an encourager. Shame on you. Because the only time someone hears from you is when something's gone wrong. That's not the body of Christ. That's not showing we're in this together. That's not showing unity. So many pastors are sent on the rail because things aren't the way that they, people want them to be. They were never there at the beginning to encourage that pastor, but they're there when something's wrong. 
And listen, this isn't a leadership issue. This is, this is a body of Christ issue. There are people that leave churches because they feel so excommunicated, they feel so disconnected, because people are refusing to encourage them. Refusing. I'm not an encourager by nature, but God's called me to encourage. It's a spiritual gift, and so, my goodness, if I want to be spiritual, I need to work toward it. I need to grow in this area. These are the out-front gifts. These are the gifts that are the speaking gifts. But secondly, we find the serving gifts. Those who serve by the strength that God provides. Now, some people put serving in a category of its own as a spiritual gift. I just see it as too broad. In fact, your, your spiritual gift survey, if you take it online, serving is one of those. But I see it as too broad. I see it as, as falling under this category, and so that's how we're approaching it. The first one is the gift of shepherding. The shepherd nurtures the body. Nurtures the body of Christ. Now, I, I don't know this to be true, but I would say that if, if you're a pastor, chances are shepherding is in one of your top three. This is my number one, that I desire to meet the needs of people. Can I tell you that I'm in, we're in Elmont. We're called, I, call, I was called to plant this church because I'm a shepherd. Because God bent my heart so much. And I tell people all the time, I don't feel like a church planner, y'all. Those people are crazy. Those people have way more faith than I have. I'm called to reach a community. And church planning is just the vehicle that gets me there. And so I'm called to it. But I desire to see people grow and nurtured and be discipled. There's nothing that gets me forth more fired up than to see somebody who is a long way from Jesus be brought near to Jesus and then to grow in the image of Jesus throughout their life. There's nothing that gets me going more. I love it. Why? Because I'm a shepherd who lovingly tries, sometimes lovingly, tries to guide the sheep. The second gift is what I am not, and that is the gift of mercy. Someone caring for the body. See, a mercy shower, someone who shows mercy, have acts of mercy, is not somebody who is going to hurt, with, uh, hurt for others. They are somebody that, are going, that is going to hurt with others. These are people that empathize. And listen, sometimes in ministry, and I say this as an excuse and I shouldn't, right? But sometimes ministry can make you cynical. And there are times that I chalk up not showing mercy just to my cynicism. I can just be cynical of, of, of people's ulterior motives and, and things. I'm not a very good counselor. If you come and tell me all the problems in your, in your marriage, and I'm scaring everybody off, I'll scare everybody off with this, uh, people t- typically come to me and share with me, oh, Alan, I'm struggling with this or I'm struggling with that. My marriage isn't where it needs to be. My children are going wayward. And I'll be like, well, hey, are you where you need to be with Jesus? Are you having your quiet time? Well, no. Good place to start. I'll see you next week. Right? Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a cut and dry guy. Like, hey, if you want your life to get better, stop sinning so much. Right? Now, that doesn't, that's not a guarantee, but that's a general principle. It's a good one. Right? And so stop sinning, dummy. Right? Like, that's me. That's, I'm not the mercy shower. However, God has called me to show mercy. A mercy shower is one that is willing to get down in the nitty-gritty with folks, willing to weep with those who weep. And sometimes a greater spiritual gift is to rejoice with those who rejoice. We don't celebrate enough. Uh, Miss Brenna told me something today. She's the one that hosts and does the baptisms, and she would hate me. She hates me, I'm sure, right now for saying this and bringing this attention to her. But she is our hostess. If you get baptized at our church, she is with you when you get there, and she is with you when you leave. Like, she is with you the whole time. Because it's a scary thing, and people have never done it before, right? And so we need people to walk them through that process. She told me the, uh, just today, she said, we need something that shows everybody that baptisms are coming up so they can know to be ready to celebrate. Because we don't celebrate enough. Why? Because I'm not a mercy shower. I don't, like to re- I don't necessarily rejoice with those who rejoice naturally. But we need this in the body of Christ. Why? Because the church has needs. People have needs. And as long as the church isn't meeting needs, the church will never be relevant. Soapbox. We hear so much from politicians well-meaning Christians about how corrupt our government is, about how mishandled 
resources are going toward welfare and disability, disability and Obamacare and whatever, all the medical, all whatever you want to insert in this. And I'm not advocating for or against it. I am taking an official neutral stance here. All right? I don't care what you think about it. The government was never intended to be the arm of charity. Do you know why the government maybe, maybe gets things wrong from time to time? Do you know why some of that may be mishandled? Because God has called the church to do it. Church meets needs. So what happened was, in the beginning, in the early church, they didn't have welfare, they didn't have disability, they didn't have all these benevolence agencies, they didn't have any of these things. So what happened when someone had need? People in the church that were mercy showers, that with the gifting of the, those that are givers, with the power of those that were leaders and shepherds, would go to that person and they would help them, they would rescue them, and then many of them would be redeemed. They would receive Christ. Because that's the ultimate need. But one by one, the church collectively quit showing mercy. And we allowed the federal government to pick up the tab where the church left off. The reason why there's dysfunction in that is because it wasn't designed for them. It's designed for us. If we're pointing fingers, understand there's three pointing right back at us. We are the body of Christ. We are the mercy showers. We are the ones to operate in that. Someone's got to lead the way in that. Sure, there's mismanagement in the government areas of assisting the needy. But it wasn't designed for them to manage. Next, soapbox over. Next, giving. Giving is a spiritual gift. Does that mean if I don't have the gift of giving that I don't have to tithe? No. In fact, I love what Bradley says, our church administrator at the main campus. He says that giving, tithing is not giving. Hold up. People are getting rocks, and there's rocks right outside this door, so I'm going to be careful. God has called us as a point of obedience to give. Why? Because we should be invested in the church. We should be invested in the vehicle that God has called to reach the nations. We should be invested in the bride. If we're a part of it, we should be invested in it. I don't care where you give your tithe. You need to be plugged in somewhere giving. Giving takes over, as Bradley would say. Please make sure emails out to Bradley. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> giving takes over after the tithe. In fact, in the Greek, the word giving literally means one, a giver literally means one that gives over. One that just gives. One that just gives and they just, if there's a need, my goodness, they are, they are all after it. And listen, sometimes for us, the easiest thing to give is our money. Sometimes... The easiest thing to give is our time. Depending on how God puts you together, you may be one of those two people. Sometimes for me, the easiest thing to do is just say, yeah, I'll serve there. I don't want to give to it, but I'll serve there because they need people to serve. I'm a weirdo. I told you, right? But a lot of people are like, well, I'll just throw money at it and hope it goes away. Alan said he'd serve, right? Like that, that's, that's the way people operate. But giving's not limited. If you're a giver, if your gift is giving, it's not limited to finances, but it's to be invested in the body. Why? Because the church requires resources. Let me say this. We don't need, North doesn't need your tithe check to operate. I'm not making a pitch that if you don't tithe, we're going under. It just ain't true. When you understand that giving is about you, not about the church making their plead for money. God will open your eyes to giving. It ain't about us. I promise. I've learned the own lesson. I give. As a pastor, I give. Why? Because giving ain't for the church. If it was, I wouldn't give. My gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm the pastor. Like, if anybody should be reaping the benefits, bringing in the sheaves from it, the pastor, right? And using, using normal fleshly thinking. But no, I give to it. Why? Because it's not about it. It's between me and God, not between you and the, me and the church. Lastly, of these serving gifts, there is the gift of administration. 
the gift of administration in steering the body. And, and I want you to understand how they do this in the spiritual gifting survey that you will take if you take the one that Lindsay Lane offers. Uh, they loop in together administration and leadership. Okay, they link those together. And they are linked. A lot of these are actually linked in some way, shape, or form, fashion. But that's, that's what they do. Administration is number three in me only because I have more leadership. If it was only administration, because I'm not a very good administrator. I'm not a very organized, this is how we get from point A to point B. I'm not one of those, typically. I know where we need to go, and I like leading people that direction, but sometimes I'm like, hey, guys, y'all going to have to help me out how we get here, right? But it, this was number three for me. But this is where they arrive at this. In Romans chapter 12, it talks about those that lead, to lead with zeal, right? To preside or to rule over somebody, to make the hard calls, to be able to do the things that nobody else is willing or wants to do, to have those conversations where people need to, need to hear something. They may not want to hear it, but they need to hear it, right? To work people toward a direction. This is the role of leadership, to preside and rule over something going on. If there's a group and it doesn't have a leader, my goodness, that's one of the questions on that spiritual gift test. It's, I, it's me every time. If there's somebody not wanting to take up, I'll, I'll do it every time. And if you have the gift of leadership, you're, you're that way. In 1 Corinthians 12, though, we see the actual word administration. It's the only place in all of Scripture that we see it. But it's this word, and it's used for the spiritual gifts. The word administration means to govern or to steer. So it's not just, hey, I'm capable of leading you, but I know how to get you there. Right? I know how to get you there to navigate, to steer as a captain would a, a ship. I can steer you in the way that you should go. Finally, we see the sign gifts. Now here, or the miraculous gifts. Sign, S-I-G-N. The sign gifts, or the miraculous gifts. This, we find most of these in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. We're not going to go there, but I, just wanna, I do want to touch them briefly because I don't believe they've stopped. Don't believe they've stopped. And some of you may be in disagreement. In fact, there's probably pastors that will hear this message that might disagree with this. Apostleship is the first. Uh, we see them lifted. They give apostles and prophets, right? And so apostles is one of these. Now, depending on how you define apostle determines how you, you view this. If you view it as one that has to be commissioned by a physical God or by a physical Jesus, then there's no more apostles, right? But if you view this as somebody that was sent by God supernaturally, then, then there could be, right? The 12 apostles were commissioned by Jesus. And you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses. Sent out 12 apostles, right? Uh, Paul was an apostle. Why? He was physically sent out by Jesus from the road to Damascus, right? And so, and so that's apostleship. Miracles and healing uh, are in these. Um, I don't... I don't I believe healings and miracles happen all the time. I, I, I believe they happen. I believe it is of God. I've seen it happen. I've been a part through the laying on of hands, anointing with oil and laying on of hands. That's, an, that's a New Testament idea. And I've seen people healed. I believe it is absolutely biblical to see healings. Again, it doesn't happen every day, but we, when we focus on the, the gifts of serving and the gifts of speaking, we, we focus on those two categories. These are things that we can involve in every single day. The gift of tongues is another one, and everyone in the Baptist church freaked out, right? The gift of tongues and interpretations. I believe these are taken way to their extreme in a lot of cases. Um, but I believe it can happen. We see it in New Testament. We see it in Acts. Why did we see it in Acts? We saw it for the building of the church. 3,000 were added, right? These men aren't drunk with wine. This is the Holy Spirit, right? And so they heard in their own language, and, and the result of that was salvation. Well, what was that? It was tongues. But it was God using it. The church of Corinth, do some study on it. The church of Corinth began emphasizing the miraculous gifts over any of the other gifts. Began emphasizing, began talking only about them and, and how people needed to do these things and not necessarily the other stuff. And that's why Paul said, listen, I would rather speak five words in a known tongue than 10,000 in an unknown tongue. Why? Because it doesn't do any good for the body. Listen, what are you doing for the body that's good for the body? 
What are you using your talents and abilities for that are good for you? If you're just talking in other languages, and this was happening in Corinth, there was a lot of confusion because people would just spout out something. Nobody would know what was being said, and then someone would spout out something over here, and nobody would know what was being said. right? And so it didn't edify. It didn't help. And so it's why in the church, if that were to happen here, we would ask for an interpretation. Why? So that the body can grow from it. And if it doesn't happen... Right? Then it's not profitable. Right? And so, and so understand those. I did want to touch them because some people think you're just trying to stay away from stuff. And I'm, I promise you, I'm not. Okay? And so these are gifts there, but I don't believe they're happening. I don't believe it is an everyday thing. You need to be invested in something that is going to build the kingdom of God, build the bride of Christ, make her more beautiful. Romans 12 9, let love be genuine. How does he end the entire message? Of the gifts, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. This is what Warren Wearsby says. Love is the circulatory system of the spiritual body. That's good. That's real good. Love is the circulatory system of the spiritual body. You know what happens when you don't have a circulatory system? You die. Right? Your blood coagulates and you die. What happens... When the body of Christ doesn't have love, we die. I want you to understand when we talk about gifts, we have a whole message devoted to the types of gifts. I don't want you to misunderstand. Gifting and knowing what your gift is, when you take that spiritual gifts test, when you mark done and you submit it and you see all three of your highest and maybe some of your lowest and you laugh at yourself like I did, when you do some of that, it doesn't mean that you are all of a sudden more spiritual now and you have been used for the kingdom of God. Gifting, gifting provides us with a metric. This is where I'm most effective. It's love that provides us with ministry. Love is what's going to drive you to act. Love is what's going to cause you, when this sermon is over, to go to that next steps table And because there's people here that you care about and there's people that, more importantly, that you interact with on a daily basis in this community that you love and you want to see God reach to. You're going to go to that next steps table and you're going to sign up for something. Why? Because I don't know what I'm, I'm good at, but I'm willing to try something because I want to make a difference. This shirt is special to me, not because it's the first shirt that we ever made. Y'all have seen this blue shirt serving around Elkmont. Our plant team had one, and if you've served, hopefully you have one. If you don't have one and you have served, see me after church. I will get you one ASAP. That's not on purpose. In fact, uh, one of our members, recent members, can tell you that I hunted her down for three weeks before she finally got her shirt. But it's important to me, and here's why. This shirt, to me, doesn't speak about gifting. It speaks about love. In order to receive this this shirt, you have to be baptized. Here, if you get baptized, you you get the shirt. That's one way, meaning you've invested, meaning you have have put all your chips in. You're you're joining our church, which is most of the time baptism is is joining of the church, right? And so so you you are becoming a part. You're allowing a church to hold you accountable in the areas of righteousness, right? And so you're investing in our church. But the other way to get that is to do something. If you're serving in a concession stand, and that may sound silly, Right, But it's a way that we show the community, we communicate the, the gospel of the community, we get in the door so that they're the first call that we receive when there's a need. And so we put our foot in the door and this shirt shows us, like shows me that there's, there's some investment there. I'm, 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 it's important enough to me that I'm going to sign up for something, I'm going to serve somewhere, I'm going to meet some need. It goes beyond a metric of this is where I'm effective and it goes to this is where I'm available. I am ready and available to pour in. Where can I be used? I know that's a silly example. You may, I don't know how you receive that. I hope you receive that in the spirit of the humility in which it was intended. Because it's not a Lindsay Lane North thing. But I want you invested somewhere. Wherever that is. 
plug in, be a part, and make it harder to go to hell from the community that you live in. That's our vision, that's our plan, that's our goal to reach the world. Jerusalem first, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. So how about you? How have you been employed to serve the body of Christ? With every head bowed and eye closed. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, you're the most important person in this room. Because... You can't serve God until you are His. Until you are His possession. Until you have a relationship with Him. There's no serving the Lord outside of a relationship. I've said it before that there's no worship of God outside of a relationship with God. And so if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, man, get that right today. Man, get it right. God has given His Son for you that you can have everlasting peace with God by means of a relationship with Jesus. And so the first thing for you to do is to get active, to, to begin this relationship with Christ. And so obedience you may, be, may look like coming and surrendering your life to Jesus for the first time, finding one of these counselors, marking on that, on that connect card the decision that you made, and turning it in or, or submitting it online. Maybe you're here and, and maybe, maybe it's time for you to invest. We have a next steps table. We want it to be part of the verbiage of our church because we see it as important. All I'm asking today is that you pray for God to reveal the next step to you. And then I pray that you would pray that you have the boldness to take it. You're visiting here for the first time and you're bold, the boldness may be to come back your next step. Come back. I mean, if you've been attending for a while, maybe your next step is to join. Maybe your next step is to get involved in a small group where you can be ministered to, where people can know who you are and you're more than just a face in the crowd. Maybe your investment is to employ that spiritual gift. Employ it. Becoming a part of what we're doing here as a church, the ministry team or whatever may be available. This is my plea to you. Don't squander what God has given you. It's in the nature of gifts to be given. God has given you a gift. It is in the nature of that gift received to be given out, to be used for others. If you're here and you need to make a decision today, I want to give you a tangible opportunity to respond. I'm going to pray and then give you an opportunity to respond. Everybody, heads bowed, not closed. It's a safe place. If you need to make a decision for Christ, would you do that today? Father, as we open this invitation, give us boldness, give us strength to make the decisions that we need to make. May we find one of these counselors here at the front of the room. And uh, Lord, that we, we tell them and explain to them the decision that we need to make, what you're calling us to do as the body of Christ. May we do that today. Whatever that next step looks like, may we take it today. Maybe it looks like leaving this service and signing up for a ministry team signing up for a home group, whatever that means. God, we, we love you, and I thank you for what you're doing in this place. Give us boldness to respond. In your name we pray. Amen. Nobody looking around, if you need to respond right now, the invitation of Christ, would you respond? Just stand to your feet. Counselors here at the front, we'd love for you to respond. Just stand right where you are. Alan, I need to receive Christ. I need to become a member. I need to, uh, I don't know what I need. I just need to talk to somebody. Whatever the decision need to make. Would you make it now? Would you just stand? Would you respond? No one looking around. Would you respond? If you're listening online, there's a way for you to respond as well. If you will text the phrase North Connect to 31996 on that Connect card. If you'll give us some information, let us know the decision that you made today. We would love to be in touch with you about how we can follow up with whatever decision that you need to make for Christ today. For those of you in this room, if you have those Connect cards and for whatever reason you didn't move, mark on there the decision that you made. And as we leave today, would you drop it in the offering bucket on your way out on my right, your left-hand side of the room? Would you do that as we leave? Father, we thank you for what you've done today. We thank you for spiritual gifting. 
I thank you that you didn't leave us alone, provide salvation and leave. But God, you've given us a task. You've given us a purpose. You've given us a reason. Let's get busy doing it. Lord, we love you and we thank you for what you've done and what you've communicated through your word. Now, Holy Spirit, may that word never return back void. May it not return back void in our hearts and in our lives as we leave and are dismissed.